this is the Art of Warcast, a news and opinion podcast about card games and board games. Today on the Art of Warcast, the Keyforge campaign hits 750k, and then Beacon in Thornton, Colorado. All right, folks, my name's Tobin Lopez. So the Keyforge campaign on GameFound finally hit 750k and is now approaching uh, 815. It's at 810. Just as impressively, almost 4,300 backers. Four more backers will give it the 4,300 backers, which is phenomenal. It tells you that not only is this, there are people that are passionate about this game that are willing to give money to this game, but there are a number of people who are willing to do so, right? Like there's, there's something to be said for a thousand people giving a thousand dollars each. Like that would be amazing, right? But here you have almost a grassroots kind of thing going on. Uh, it's a little under the average at 110,000, 4,300 people. The average is uh, a little under $200 a person. And that doesn't include the fact that uh, the non-U.S. purchasers are going to have to pay VAT, right? Value-added tax, and so that is not included in the in the game-found calculation, but it is included in the money that's being spent by those people. So anyone who is having to pay that VAT is not only buying and and putting towards the game-found campaign, but paying an additional unfortunately very freaking high tax on their passion and so that speaks resoundingly to the commitment of the 4300 people that are going to be giving to this and I'm going to assume it's 4300 because at one point we'll get three more people which is what it's looking at right (laughs) as I was speaking we got another backer and so one of the wonderful things that came with the update out of, out, fr- out of Friday was a short video with Christian T. Peterson hosting of them at the Art of Forge company, which is also part of the one of the um, one of the companies under the umbrella of uh, Peterson's Stars company. I forget exactly the name there, but one a uh, gentleman I know was uh, kind of the star of the show, Joffer. He is, uh, as many of you might not be surprised to learn, a former FFG employee, and he used to do a lot of events and organize play for Fantasy Flight, and now it looks like he's our Keyforge printer extraordinaire, which would be fantastic, knowing that uh, all these decks had been uh, in some way created by Joffer, and him being a part of that would be awesome for me to think about. Now, there are a couple of things I want to talk about with respect to the Keyforge campaign. One is uh, Zach Armstrong, uh, Call of Discovery podcast. And if you're listening to this podcast, you more than likely have heard of Zach. And you more than likely have listened to the Call of Discovery, which I can't recommend enough. Their musical episode was one that put us all to shame. Um, the Art of Forecast has done there. We've done our radio plays and we've done our things like that. And those have been very fun. And I think they've been very creative and and have have appealed to a certain audience. 
But Zach and Ed with their musical 100th episode hit it out of the park. It was fantastic. So I can't recommend that enough. Anyhow, Zach released a, did a, about a 30 minute cast on the guarantees, which is uh, in response to the GameFound campaign had a fact, had a frequently asked questions about people were asking Ghost Galaxy about the a guarantee that Keyforge would keep going, would be successful, a guarantee that OP would be successful. And, you know, Zach does a good deconstruction and response to those things. I would recommend you listen to it, and I will paraphrase it here and not do justice to it, but paraphrase it, which is to say, no one can guarantee anything, right? We, you, you can't guarantee. The only thing that you can do, and this is what Ghost Galaxy commits to doing, is do their best. And that's all I ask. It's been obvious from the beginning and that's why I think Keyforge, uh, the Keyforge community has been so impassioned by this. It's been clear from the beginning that those at Ghost Galaxy, Christian Peterson in particular, and, and those that work for him, are passionate about Keyforge and want to see it succeed. They will try their best. But it's a, there's, there's too many variables in play, right? What's the, who's to say another pandemic doesn't come? God bless it. That would that would punish us all. But another another something or other that that hic- that creates a hiccup in coming together as a community, right? They can't guarantee anything, especially not on a GameFound campaign. For goodness' sake, Game, the GameFound campaign site is much more a legal contract than their own site offline, right? Anything they say related to the campaign is covered by GameFound's terms of service. And so they can't even commit to, like if if they were to jokingly guarantee on their website, that's one thing. If they jokingly guarantee on GameFound, that's a whole nother bar. And they might be legally responsible for even saying such things. So no guarantees are coming out of Ghost Galaxy. And I don't expect them. I hope and expect that they would try their best to make the best game they can and hope that it finds its audience and hope that that audience is willing to commit $13 to pay for a deck on a periodic basis, right? I don't, we don't need people to buy 40, 50, 60, 80, hundred decks. I mean, hell, I only own about, uh, I, I just got up north of 300 just now, but I know people who own thousands. I mean, the, if you listen to Archon's Corner, I think between the four or five of them, they might have 10,000 decks, which is insane, right? But it's insane because they love the game so much and they're willing to do so much for it. And they're willing to invest their hard-earned money to do so, right? To me, that seems insane. To my friends, have me having 310 decks registered is insane, right? To each their own. Practice the game in which you want. But what I would hope is that we have a sufficient number of people who are willing to spend $13 eh, once every few weeks on a deck and play it and enjoy themselves. I mean, if you, ha- if you think about a movie, you pay a hell of a lot more than $13 to go see a movie in a movie theater, right? If you pay $13 for a deck and you get three hours of fun out of it, you've gotten more out of your $13 buying that deck and you get to play it later than if you've gone to a movie different type of entertainment right different flavor for everybody 
Now, having said that, there are 4,300 people that are backing this campaign. If you've listened to the Art of Warcast, you know that Doug and Carl and I have both been backers of and are subscribers of the Ashes Reborn Team Covenant subscription service. And that allows Ashes Reborn to be published. Ashes has needs 2,000, I think the number is 2,000 subscribers to be able to publish each additional expansion. And they have that. And Ashes is one that was reborn, right? I mean, literally, it's in the name. It's in the version 2 name, Ashes Reborn. Games are ephemeral. To, to think that a game can guarantee its own life. I think that a game developer, game designer, game company can guarantee that a game is successful is to ask the impossible. You can dream about it. Absolutely. But it's to ask the impossible. Ask for something they can't give. One of the interesting pieces, and as, as I look back, I've been playing card games since 1994. So, you know, going on 28 years now. Actually, actually, almost exactly 28 years as we sit here in September. So 28 years ago, I started playing card games. I played a lot of card games. I played Magic, which was the first one, of course, I, because that was all there was. Then there was Jihad, then there was Spell, Spellfire, and there's other things. I didn't, I didn't play all of them, but I played a lot of them. played Netrunner, the original Netrunner, and they go away. I was there when this big ass bubble was blown up because CCGs were just a way to print money, collectible stuff, print money, print money, print money. And so there was this big bubble. It burst uh, probably around 1997, 98, maybe 99. It burst and then there were only a few players left. Uh, Vitesse, Jihad, Vampire the Eternal Struggle. It lasted till 2010. L5R. The original L5R lasted for almost 20 years, I think, right? There were a lot of games, but they eventually, card games eventually get weighed down by themselves, right? Magic, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! I don't know about Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh!, but I know Magic has reinvented itself. It's not the same game I played in 1994, it's reinvented itself several times. There are a myriad of different formats for the game. So I would argue that Magic the Gathering of 1994 didn't live for 22, didn't live for 28 years. It lived for several years and then altered to the market. Right? So games have to change or they fold under their own weight. Look at Android Netrunner. That was a... It, it was burgeoning, but it, it started to fold before they got a revised edition. Old and new L5R. And even though the old L5R redefined itself with various, what do they call them? Not a platinum edition or eras, right? They had various different um, eras with respect to old L5R. So in order for a game to keep going, it had to reinvent itself. Uh, Vitesse is actually the only one I know of that didn't have to reinvent itself in any way shape or form they added groups to vampires so there was some it was an age marker to the vampires so the original vampires were group one there was group two vampires there was group three vampires four and you couldn't have vampires in your um crypt that weren't 
in consecutive groups. So you had you either had a two three or a three four group, or a four five or a five six something like that. So anyhow, but that was the only revision Vitesse made. Why why am I going into this? Because I think putting this together with something that was said, and again, a Call of Discovery episode, Zach interviewed a former employee in the name of uh, Ryan, and I forget his last name, so sorry about that, Ryan. But Ryan talked about why Keyforge has a potential to live long. Not necessarily live long as live as long as 28 years, but live long, which is, one, it's an easy-to-pick-up game. You could, you, it's not a lifestyle game. You don't have to be engaged the entire time. You can come and go out of the game. Two, it's, it's relatively easy to produce <laughs> as long as you've got an algorithm and a printer, right? You're not producing a whole lot of tokens. You're not producing a whole lot of various things. You're basically just making 36, 38 card decks. Bam, there you are. And then the thing that really resonated with me, and it hadn't occurred to me explicitly yet, which is the designers love the game because with each set, you get to redefine the game. You get to reinvent it. Each set can stand on its own, right? Mass Mutation had these enhancements. Uh, Mass Mutation also had gigantic creatures. Worlds Collide introduced warding and other, other effects, that have remained for the most part in the game, but not as prevalent as they were in Worlds Collide. Dark Titans obviously introduced the tide mechanic, which it seems to be, as I'm, as I'm discussing this with more and more Keyforge folks, the, the tide mechanic is a love it or hate it thing. And I, I tend to like it. I'm a, I'm a liker. I like Dark Tidings. I like the tide. I like Unfathomable as a house. I think it's quite fun um, when you're playing with some of the old, like, I don't like playing Coda anymore because it's kind of just like really straightforward Keyforge, which was awesome, but I have more decks of Dark Tidings and I have more decks of Mass Mutation and I have decks, more decks of Worlds Collide than I do of Coda. Uh, so with each set, you get to reinvent yourself. And with, I mean, look at this Winds of Exchange set, right? We're talking about tokens. Right there, we know of mechanics. The haunted mechanic is coming at some point, right? The uh, I keep waiting to see Red Baron spoiled in the Winds of Exchange. I have no idea if he's there, but I keep waiting for it. We know things are coming, and each set gets to reinvent the game a little bit. So who's to say that in you know three or four or five years, we're not looking at various formats for KeyForge itself, right? Modern format, legacy format classic format, right? Whatever it might be. But Keyforge has the potential to do so. And if we, the community, are able to support it and Ghost Galaxy is able to make it a profitable venture for them, it will keep going. And so I see a lot of potential in this. And I'm, I got to tell you, folks, I, I've been doing nothing but watching the, the dollars click up on the GameFound campaign. It's, I'm going to be kind of glad when this is over because then I can just be done <laughs> uh, and sit back and do other things. I'm excited for Keyforge. It's, as, as I'm speaking, it's got about, uh, what, about 60 hours left in the campaign. So it's going to end late Monday night. 
uh, in the U.S. Um, it's been averaging about 50000 a day. So it could get to 900, 950 as it stands now. Uh, either or, uh, either way, there are not going to be any more stretch goals um, included. We've hit them all. And I got to tell you, I, w- I thought that 750 was a real stretch. But the Keyforge community has come together and really given a lot. Now, last point I want to make regarding this is it occurred to me the other day, there isn't anything more Keyforge than a Keyforge game found campaign that just keeps releasing stretch goals. Right? And so the little bitty stretch goals, like, it's like playing a deck. You play, you know, you draw your first dozen cards and, oh, you've gotten to that goal. Okay, cool. I drew this card. I was able to play it. That's one goal. And then later, I mean, I got to tell you, I was really hoping for this Unchained Melody, right? Which was the 600K. And that crossed that and it got to 600K and I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy another Unchained deck. I'm going to do it because I like one. We're going to get a second one and I'm going to buy maybe a third or fourth one and it'll be cool. And then I saw that they were selling boxes of the Unchained deck. Boxes. Boxes? I can buy a box? I never thought about buying a box before of Unchained decks. That's amazing. So... My wife happened to be sitting that morning having her coffee and I talked to her about Unchained Decks and told her what they were about. She doesn't really play Keyforge. She just gets osmo- you know, gets what she knows through osmosis from me. So I explained to her about Unchained Decks and how these boxes were available and how they were, you know, 155 bucks and you know, isn't that nice? Aren't doesn't that sound exciting? And she just kind of says, "Yes, it does sound exciting." And knowing very well what I was asking her, <laughs> and she said, Sure. <laughs> so, uh, for the record, my wife, like I'm sure many of your spouses and significant others, they're awesome for letting us do this, <laughs> for letting us spend the money we're spending on this game. Whether you're spending 50 bucks, 500 or a thousand or more than that, who knows? But I, I am really looking forward to this stuff. Um, I'm looking forward to playing with brand new Keyforge stuff and seeing those decks come off the printer in that video was really awe-inspiring and motivational. All right, so this past weekend, I got the chance. There's a very local, very small con here that's called B-Con, B-C-O-N. And I got the chance to play uh, Tickle, Tickle, T-I-K-A-L, which is kind of a land control expansion game. Uh, that was pretty fun. Played some Dune Imperium, of course. I got the expansion for that. And the expansion isn't bad, but we weren't using it too much. Uh, so I don't know about the the Rise of X expansion this is. Uh, played Carson City, which is an older worker placement game that I had no real idea what was going on. I kind of was able to keep track of like half the game. The other half, just I, I kind of just didn't bother with. I tried to just get focused on the other half. And I ended up actually getting second place in that one. Um, it's a good one. I think 
on a second or third playthrough, it might be fun. Uh, there might be one little broken aspect to it in that there's during the first turn, you can place your worker and spend $2 for each, for each victory point. And you can do that as many times as you want. And you can start, you start with eight bucks. You just buy four victory points to start off. And those four victory points can be the difference. I lost by five. And that's what my, the person at one won because he went on the first base and bought four. So th- there may be a little bit of a break on Carson City, the broken aspect to Carson City, unless you go to contest that. And then for the first time in years, we played Warhammer 40K Forbidden Stars, a not quite as big as box as Twilight Imperium box, but big, like half that volume of kind of a men's uh, game with order placement, right? So you're not placing workers, you're placing orders. And uh, if you've ever played Game of Thrones board game, those are order play. That's an order placement game as well, right? The trick in Forbidden Stars is you play orders on top of one another. So you resolve them in the reverse order that you probably place them in. And you can, and each player can stack an order on top of another player's order. So you have to really consider which one do you want to trigger first or which one do you want to trigger last in the forthcoming turn? And you place that one first and then someone else can place stuff and orders can obviously one, uh, uh, another player's order can obviously completely screw your order. (laughs) and but i love it i love the game i wish it's been three or four years since we played we need to play again we probably need to play every six months or so because it is a very fun game it is kind of long it can get up to three hours but if you if everybody understands the rules it can get a little bit faster i think Um, but it was good to play that game and then we played some rivals um and so that was that was fun i i would urge you all to uh if you if you were a card gamer, board gamer, and, and you play a lot of these games, go to these small local conventions. It's a good excuse to not play at home, <laughs> right? Get out of the house, not play at home, maybe meet some other people. We happened to meet, there was a group of four of us that played regularly, four my buddies and I, but we played with a fifth and sixth and seventh person over the course of the weekend. So that was cool. We met some folks um, and maybe expanded some things. I tried to talk about Keyforge, but... People were like, "What's Keyforge?" So I'm like, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna start uh, down that road." <laughs> so that's what I've been doing. Hopefully, you've been having fun the last couple of weeks. And if you haven't given to the Keyforge GameFound campaign, and it's not Monday at like 11 p.m. Mountain Time, consider giving. Consider getting some of these great cards. And remember, until next time, you have a choice: increase the cool or decrease the suck. Thanks for listening.